The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. My guest is Bob Cheeley. Welcome in, buddy. Ben, it's always good to be with you. You have found yourself in a lawsuit with the Fulton Board of Elections in the last couple years, I guess since 2020. December of 2020. When you thought about, and I want to preface this, you are a guy who has donated money to Republicans, but you have donated money to Democrats. You have a very good relationship with Roy Barnes. You have a good relationship with a lot of people in that caucus. And I think that you have been made out to be some Trump loyalist ally, right wing, crazy Republican. And I wanted to put that on the record because as long as I have known you, you were a pragmatist who I would identify politically as business friendly. That's exactly true. (laughs) You own a business. I'm definitely business friendly and property rights. For those of you who don't know, Bob also is a real estate developer when he's in my free time. In, in his free time, when he's when he's not when he's when he's not working legal cases, he has more hours in the day than Nick Saban, and that's a lot. Bob, what got you interested in the 2020 election? Talk about the things that happened around that time, and who came to you with questions regarding the Fulton County election? Well, first of all, uh, I love this country, and I want to make sure that I can do all that I can to ensure that. It's an equal and level playing field for every person so that they know when they go to the polls to vote, their vote is going to count, and it's going to be handled with the highest degree of excellence, the vote tabulations and the counting. And I uh, did not support Joe Biden. I supported, I voted for uh, Donald Trump because I loved his policies. I saw that it was helping blue-collar America and uh, those are the people that I care deeply about. They're the people I represent in my law practice. I knew that they were in a much better position than they had been in years past. I grew up a Democrat. Uh, my dad. So did a lot of people in the South. Yeah. My dad and mother were Democrats. My dad helped actively campaign to help Jimmy Carter get elected. And, well, and there's people today, if Sam Nunn were 30 years younger, and wanted to sit in the United States Senate in the state of Georgia, he would. Because that's the kind of guy he was. He liked poor kids. Zell Miller is the same way. And I know he eventually switched parties. Richard Shelby. There were a bunch of Southern Democrats that had conservative attributes to them. And they cared about the little people like we all do. Exactly. My dad, side of the family, uh, is related to Richard B. Russell from Winder, Georgia. I grew up in Beaufort, Georgia, which is, you know, 20 miles from Winder. And and I remember meeting Richard B. Russell. My dad and mother took me as a child to uh, D.C. and uh, came out and spoke to us. Uh, We met him in his office. And um, 
over time, I've, I've just found myself, particularly on one key issue, abortion, just think that it is a curse upon the soul of America. And I cannot bring myself to support Democrats' policies anymore because they put no guardrails on a woman's right to choose death for the, her baby. And I just can't, in good conscience, support a candidate that believes that way. When 30 years ago, the Democrats were a different party with respect to that issue. There is no question. When, when you looked, let 2020, we'll just set the stage. If you don't know, Donald Trump was the president of the United States for four years and lost a presidential election in the eyes of the Electoral College, popular vote, any number of those things. What pulled at you initially to think that something was going on with Fulton County? As I was watching the election returns, you know, I stayed up till after midnight. Now I saw, you know, Trump's votes go negative, and I was like, what? How can that happen? And so then, and I saw, you know, this huge spike for Biden. That really disturbed me that something like that could happen. I mean, that's inexplicable. There's no way you can explain that. I still haven't heard anybody explain it well. But then, you know, I was going about my business, and then I got a phone call from a friend of mine, a lawyer here in Atlanta area, who uh, was a Democrat, and he felt very strongly that something had happened too. He went to Washington on his own nickel to see if he could get to the bottom of what was going on. And so anyway, he gets up there, and I'm not going to give his name out. Anyway, he called me up, and he said that uh, he was talking to somebody there in the Trump campaign, and, and they had had a phone call from somebody in Georgia who had some information that he wanted to share about State Farm Arena and the, the boat that night. They wanted somebody in, you know, in Atlanta to contact this person and go meet with him and see what he had. Well, my friend asked me if I'd do it, and I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I called this guy up, and he lives in metro Atlanta, and turns out he was with a – he installed the security system at State Farm Arena, the cameras and the computers and all that. He had heard on the news, as I did too, the, the morning after the election – and the night of the election that they shut down the vote counting in Fulton County due to uh, a water main break. And they said they were going to resume the next morning. Well, they come to find out they didn't suspend the voting tabulation or counting at all. They kept going, and they'd sent all the poll watchers home. home. So that was uh, the next red flag. <laughs> we see Trump's numbers go negative. We see, they say, we're suspending the vote count for the night because of a water main break. Then I get this meeting set up with this individual. He shows me on his, lap, on his uh, laptop the video from he had heard this thing about a water main break. He said, that's not true. He said, we got cameras all over that building. There was no water main break. And he said, if, I, if there'd been a water main break, I would have gotten up in the middle of the night to go over there and check on it because all of my computers are down there in the belly of the building. And so uh, he said, you know, what there was, however, was a small toilet leak in the men's urinal above the floor where they were doing the, the votes uh, count. And it was leaking into the f space below at like 
5.30 in the morning, 6 a.m. on the day that they were supposed to start, you know, November 3rd, the day they were beginning uh, to tabulate the votes. He showed me, you know, where the water had been cleaned up by the time the poll workers arrived. And then he showed me the video from later that night, 11 p.m. till after midnight. And I, it was at that time that I saw that, you know, they told everybody to leave. And then that's when they, the infamous video shows that they're pulling these big cases of ballots out from under the tables. I said, oh my God, what is, what are they doing there? And so that's how I got involved in this whole thing was, was then contacted by Caroline Jeffords through a mutual friend. I did not know her. Uh, she's the plaintiff. She was one of the plaintiffs in the case, the civil case, that seeks to unseal the ballots and do an audit and visual inspection of the ballots to make sure that those documents that came out of those suitcases under the table are valid, were created and filled in by humans instead of by a machine. That's all. That's, that was the heart of the initial case, was transparency. That's all she's ever wanted was transparency, and that's all I've ever wanted was to hold our government accountable in Fulton County. I live in Fulton, and I wanted to hold Fulton County accountable to the people and not the other way around. The lion's share of your time, sweat equity, money, like nobody put you up to this. No, nobody put me up to it. I was driven by conscience, and I use the same dedication to a cause that I'd use when I'd take a case for a client, you know, that's been wrongfully uh, injured. Well, I, I, I say that for two reasons. I don't know that you've had the opportunity, when people write about you in the New York Times or the AJC or anything else, they don't typically... To me, it's like there's a narrative out there. And I want to be 100% honest with the, those of you who listen. Ben Burnett is not a unbelievable fan of 2020, the 2023 version of former President Donald Trump. But I am also it, under the same guise. If you spend your own money and you think that something is legitimately wrong with the way that Fulton County counted ballots... I do not believe in inherent unfairness. I, I do not believe that the machine is bigger than the little people. I don't, and I never will. And so I cannot like former President Trump for a million reasons. I can like you absent of the fact that you do like President Trump for a million reasons that you do like him. And I set an elected office, and I don't trust Fulton County doing anything. All of those things to me in my mind are completely fine to say but I think if something actually happened it deserves the opportunity to be heard from in a courtroom because I'm not married to the outcome I'm married to the right thing with 12 people who get the opportunity to hear it because if something happened those people should be held responsible because this is America and that's where my affinity for what you have done it, it begins and ends. I'm ideal. I'm an idealistic American. I will vote for somebody based on values, but if something is wrong in the process, I have a fundamental problem with that, and I always have. Did an elected office? Did before that? Ha have ever since. And so, 
I'm not saying that I think you're right. I'm not. I'm saying the wagons have certainly circled in a way that is awfully suspicious. Talk to me about where that case is today. All right. Before I do that, let me tell you, kind of give you a little sense of how far back my sense of right and wrong goes. Um, When I was a president of my college fraternity in Athens, um, we always prided ourselves on excellence in everything we do. You know, scholarship, we were always number one. Athletics, we were always number one. Social, you know, uh, service to the community, we were number one. And I found out my last semester or last quarter of my senior year when I was about ready to turn the hand the baton on to the next president that our uh, uh, we had won the athletic trophy for the several years in a row again but we we only won it narrowly and it was because one of our guys that was in charge of a team and it was a bowling team of all things had we were playing the I was in Phi Gamma Delta and and we were in a bowling uh, championship with Sigma Chi's. Well, I found out that Sigma Chi's were a lot better bowlers than our guys were, but we won somehow. Then I found out that the way we won is because the captain of our team threw the match, uh, got uh, Sigma Chi's to throw the match um, so that we would win in exchange for uh, two kegs of beer uh, to be delivered to the Sigma Chi house. And... Um, and uh, I could have kept my mouth shut, and you know we would have won the athletic trophy again for the ninth year in a row. But I just said, you know, I can't do that. That's not honest, and it's, you know, it's, we didn't win it fair and square. We they would have won the bowling match, and so uh, I, uh, I told our chapter we were going to do the right thing and we were going to give the trophy back, and it blew you know the people away that award. The academic trophies and the and athletic trophies, and but I hope that that served people in our fraternity well. You know, you got to do the right thing, even when nobody's watching. And so that's kind of the thing that my parents taught me: you always do the right thing, and even if it hurts yourself. And so that's what's driven me to get to the bottom of what went on in Fulton County in the 2020 election. Is is you know I've got grandchildren now and uh, this uh, cheating if there was uh, and I believe there strong evidence that there were a lot of improprieties uh, that we've uncovered like multiple counting of the same votes um, and uh, 17,000 votes that don't even have corresponding paper ballots scanned in to support them I mean where do those come from Um, those are the kind of things I want to get to the bottom of and if it's if somebody deliberately did that, it needs to come to light so that it's not repeated over and over into the future. And so that's how I really felt, you know, called and driven to get involved and get to the bottom of this. And even um, even if people don't like it, and I know a lot of people don't, but I know there are a lot of people that do, and they're praying for me and and urging me to continue the fight. Talk about where the case is today. Well, the case is today uh, on, uh, I think it was May the, last Thursday, May the 
11th, we got a great decision. After two years of battling Fulton County uh, from the Georgia Court of Appeals, in which the Court of Appeals, after direction from the Supreme Court of Georgia, which had reversed the Court of Appeals um, back in uh, December of 2022, in our Jeffords case, um, you know, at the trial court level, we lost. We got kicked out for lack of standing after the judge had said that we had proved a prima facie case of improprieties based on expert testimony that I put on the stand in May of 2021. But then three months later, the judge kicks us out of court and says we don't have standing. Um, and so we appealed that decision to the Court of Appeals and uh, agreed with the trial court that we don't have standing. So we appealed that decision to the Georgia Supreme Court called a application for writ of certiorari. And, uh, and they, in December of 2022 is when the Supreme Court of Georgia reversed the Court of Appeals and the trial court and said, reconsider this case, your decision on standing in light of a case that the Supreme Court of Georgia had decided in October of 2022, which was a case against Newton County for removal of Confederate War memorials. And someone had sued saying that Newton County didn't have the power to do that. And uh, Supreme Court of Georgia, uh, after the, considering the case, they, they reversed the Court of Appeals in that case, said they do have standing. Ordinary citizens do have standing to challenge functions of government that are improper. And so we uh, celebrated last Thursday when we got that decision finally that where the Court of Appeals had to you know, reverse its prior decision where they fell and we didn't have standing and then they found in a very short, concise order that people, citizens of a county do have standing to sue their county government and to get transparency. And so that's a victory. That's a huge victory for all kind of cases, not just voting, but all kind of cases where people need to be able to question the, their government um, to make sure that, that the government stays in the lane, you know, and doesn't become too uh, powerful outside of the bounds of the Constitution. And so right now where we are is uh, we'll be going back to the trial court. Um, we thought we were going to be going back to the same judge that we the case was heard initially from in Henry County, uh, Judge Brian Amaro. But then on Friday of last week, uh, May the 12th, Judge Amaro enters a single line, single sentence order saying he was basically uh, excusing himself from the case and uh, that he was appointing or sending the case to Judge McBurney um, in the Fulton Superior Court. Well, Judge McBurney is the one that's kicked uh, David Perdue's case that I filed out. And in that opinion, he, uh, or that order, he said that David Perdue's case, even though we attached to that lawsuit, we attached an affidavit from my forensic auditor, uh, who used to be with a, one of the major accounting firms, um, of all the th several examples of, of the improprieties that he'd found uh, involving Fulton County in the 2020 election, even though we had that as an affidavit supporting specific facts attached to that complaint, Judge McMurray, uh, or McBurney, uh, just kicked the case out, saying that 
this was nothing but sour grapes of, on the part of David Perdue. Even though we did have another young lady as a co-plaintiff with David Perdue, she was a Fulton County resident, and her identity had been stolen, and somebody else had voted in her name by an absentee ballot that she never requested. But in spite of that, Judge McBurney kicked the whole case out for both plaintiffs and uh, said that neither one of them you know, are entitled to a, a hearing in his court. And they, he specifically aimed at David Perdue, and he said David Perdue was uh, just suffering from sour grapes, and uh, he was not going to allow those sour grapes to be made into wine in his courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're moving this week to recuse Ms. Judge Mc, McBurney. I was gonna. I was he, gonna say sometimes it doesn't take a whole lot. I sat in elected offices who've been sued more times than most people. You don't always have to comment. Yeah, but you know he's obviously um, made no bones about where he stands on these kind of uh, lawsuits to get transparency from government. If, if if I had to ask you what what is your hope in the next phase of this? What is it? What it? What is a preferred outcome look like to one Bob Cheeley, knowing that these kinds of things can take years? We need to be able to see, based on everything we've learned in the last two years, we now know that we need to see not just the absentee ballots that were tabulated at State Farm Arena, but we need to see the early voting ballots, too, that were cast. Um, and, uh, and we need to see the same-day voting uh, so that's a total of 512,000 ballots. and But Fulton County reported another 17,000 votes on top of that. So that's, that's the big question is where did those extra 17,000 come from? Were they from early voting, same-day voting, or absentee voting? And, you know, it, it's just like jumping out there at you. It's screaming that something's awry here. And we need to figure out where this disparity came from because, you know, the whole uh, election was determined in Fulton County for the state of Georgia. Um, and, uh, you know, if Biden wins fair and square, then that's fine with me, even though I've voted for, his, for, for Trump. But I just think that, you know, it, it needs to be done properly and legally. I've, I've said it before. I will say it again. I voted for Donald Trump in a primary in 2016. I voted for him in 2020. At this point, I'm one of the people who is well-documented in being willing to move on, but being willing to move on and wanting somebody different to be the messenger on behalf of the GOP and what you are seeking to investigate is not the same thing. They may be the same thing for an isolated incident, I do not believe in inherent unfairness. This has been another episode of the Ben Burnett Show. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. 
You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we take pride in our family owned and operated business. Hi, I'm Stacy Ellis, Vice President of the Jim Ellis Automotive Group. When my granddad, Jim Ellis, founded our company in 1971, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, my dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. Today, third-generation family members like myself, along with the support of more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values our company was founded on. At Jim Ellis Automotive, we try harder because we sincerely value your satisfaction. That's why we've been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of our 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, still family-owned and operated and where you can always expect the best. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. 